beautiful people and welcome back to Limited Color Abroad. I'm your host Angel Rodriguez and in this episode you'll be listening to Isabel who is living abroad in Colombia. She discusses her study abroad experience in South Korea and how that inspired her to live abroad later on in life, how and why she started her own clothing company, the Colombian Collective, what it's like to be Asian in Colombia, and finally she discusses the challenges of raising a family using her Asian cultural upbringing while also incorporating Colombian values in motherhood. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. Isabel, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How you doing? Hi, Angel. Thank you for having me. Doing good. Awesome. It's it's Monday here, but it's actually we're we just finished a long weekend. Ah. Um, every, every weekend is a long weekend in Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> and for those that are listening, uh, this is what happens when I do this podcast. When I speak to people from all over the world, usually I have my time zones correct. But I made the wrong assumption to say, Elizabeth, oh, yeah, we're in the same time zone. I'm coming home. She's like, I'm ready. And I'm like, huh? And she was, of course, was an hour ahead of me. And now, of course, she had another hour available, which I greatly appreciate. So, Isabel, thank you so much for not canceling on me. <laughs> oh, not at all. All good. All right. It's holiday, so. Awesome, awesome. So, let's get right to it. Isabel, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. All right, so I'm Isabel Proliamante. I'm originally from the Philippines, but I've been living in Colombia together with my husband and, and two daughters um, since November of 2018. So this is actually our third year here now. Um, my background is in advertising. Uh, I, I worked with multinationals in, in the Philippines and Indonesia for more than a decade before I put up my own firm. Mm. And then now here I am in Colombia as a second time entrepreneur actually. Awesome, awesome. We're going to get to all of that good stuff that you just mentioned. <laughs> so let's start with the Philippines. I, oh, By the way, for those that are listening, I was put in contact with Isabel from, by Edmund, who I interviewed that right. was living in Switzerland. So let's start right there. How do you know Edmund? <laughs> Funny thing, huh? Edmund, who's from Malaysia, who's now in Switzerland, connected to, the, to a Filipina who's in Colombia. Mm, <laughs> the world is so small. Right, right. So... Yeah, so originally I'm from the Philippines, as I mentioned, and Edmund was actually my colleague back in the Philippines. We were both working with Ogilvy, which is an advertising agency. And I think it was around the same time when he left the Philippines for Switzerland and I for Colombia. Wow. So we've been sharing the same um, experiences, so to speak. That's, I mean, that's, that's the one thing. I mean, I'm just so glad you mentioned that because that's what happens in this world is that you meet friends right when you're in different places abroad and you might leave also at the same time as well but to different locations like i have friends that are here and i'm sure listening to this podcast one's moving to taiwan and one's going to brazil so you know i'm losing these people as friends obviously but you know these you you expand kind of your horizons where you know people from literally all walks of life and from all over the world so it's pretty cool that's how you know edmund that connection there so now back to you <laughs> so the philippines what can you tell us about the philippines the only thing i know about the philippines which is bad is Manny Pacquiao. Um, that's all I know about the Philippines. <laughs> I know he's like a, I know he's like Michael Jordan over there. I know that, right? So besides Manny Pacquiao, what can you tell me about the Philippines? 
he's our Michael Jordan, our Kobe Bryant, <laughs> our Scottie Pippen. He's our everything. <laughs> I had to put that on record. But I mean, the Philippines is is a hodgepodge of everything. We're we're like we're in the we're in Asia. We're in the middle of the Pacific, but we're like a Latino country mm. in in Asia. We were under Spanish rule for for. 300 years actually so we have that strong spanish influence but we look asians Mm -hmm. (laughs) we have a very strong spanish um i mean american influence as well because we were under spanish rule for four i mean american rule for 40 years we have a bit of japanese influence because we were also under under japanese for a few years so it's it's a mix of everything um that's why we I, i can honestly say that we're like the most international country in asia Mm. because of all these influences from all countries right right i mean look what colonialism brings you right i mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) you just mentioned all these nations that occupy uh, just one place so i mean but again besides that part right uh, that is pretty interesting that you said is this melting pot and you mentioned your last name which again me hearing it i'm latino it sounds very spanish speaking right Uh (laughs) so Uh sounding so um do you speak spanish I do. I mean, I, I took up Spanish even before coming um, to Colombia. I, I took up Spanish in mm. the university. Our language, which is Filipino, has a lot of Spanish words infused mm. in it. But mm. the language itself is very different. It's, okay. it's Malay-based, but you would hear tinelas. You would hear, hear la mesa. You would hear tenedor every, uh. everywhere. So it's... It's, it's that. But we all speak English. Um, okay. Our education system is based on the American education system. So everybody speaks English with a very strong American accent. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh-huh. But everybody knows basic Spanish as well. Right, right. Okay, awesome. Cool, cool, cool. So, let, so let's go through your, you know, your upbringing and all that stuff. So you're growing up in the Philippines. At what point or did you think, I can live elsewhere? Um, I would say, you know... Growing up, we were always exposed to different cultures. Of course, through the television, the, the Hollywood mm-hmm. culture would be there. But I mean, like I said, it's a very international country. So even growing up, I knew that I would want to study abroad, work abroad. And uh, when I was in the university, I had the opportunity to actually study abroad. And that was my first time being an expat, so mm-hmm. to speak. Well, I was a, I was a foreign student. Um, I studied in Korea, South Korea, mm-hmm. which... Is only four hours away from from the Philippines, you would think, but culturally, it's actually very different. Mm. It's a whole new world out there. Language, culture, everything. So um, that's right. I mean, even from a very young age, I knew I was always interested already in like different cultures, cultural exchanges. That's why Mm. the first opportunity I got to to do it, I think I was I was 17. 17 was my first time living abroad. Wow. I mean that that I mean I think it's so cool and it and it makes a point that really one's upbringing and what they're literally surrounded by can influence he- heavily influence what what wants to do or what they think is possible. So for you mm-hmm. because you've grown up in this you know melting pot and this mixing of cultures and the fact that you're seeing that that I would you say that influenced you was like yeah well I also want to see what else is outside of this area that I'm growing up. Yeah, that's so true. I love my country. I love my culture. I love, yeah, the Philippines in general. But we were always exposed to the outside world. The Philippines, you would say, is is like that. Like, we always acknowledge that there's a world outside the country. Mm. And we were always exposed to the beauty of being international. So that's why, I mean, I studied abroad. When I finally joined the advertising industry, my goal was, you know, to always move up, move up, move up. And 
move to a different market in, in a, either in Asia or in another country. So okay. that was my my trajectory, I would say. Got it, got it. And what would you say? What would you? What was like the one thing you took uh, the most away from that study abroad experience in Korea? Oh my God! It, when when I went, it was it was eye opening for me. Imagine a seventeen year old living abroad <laughs> right. for the first time alone. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. In in a different country, different culture. I mean, for me, that really just solidified the idea that I want to see more of this world. You know, um, not just to travel because I I always loved traveling, but living in a mm. different country and actually experiencing it firsthand was for me amazing. I love the food in Korea, of course. I love the fact that I was speaking a new language that was... I mean, at that point, when I moved to Korea, back in 20... This was 20, uh, 2008. Korea wasn't very much known as it is now because k-pop is super well known everywhere mm -hmm. now back then it was just starting to boom and not a lot of people knew about about korea when i moved there my parents were like what are we thinking i mean why are we doing this right. everybody thought of korea as like kim jong-un that time right like uh you know what i mean under dictatorship not a lot of people knew about the south korea that existed um but it really opened my eyes to a lot of a lot of new things and opened my eyes to a new world literally um, and it just solidified the fact that really I want to see more of this world. Right. Awesome. Awesome. So now you did you did South Korea, so you had that experience, and then what? When did this opportunity to go to Colombia present itself? So <laughs> let's go there. Or the short story. You 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 um, whichever one you want, then I'll edit it. <laughs> okay. So my husband's actually Colombian. Okay. But we met back in the Philippines and it was it was it was a whirlwind kind of romance. I mm. we moved to the Philippines, we started dating. I moved to Indonesia. That was my first expat role. And then we did long distance for a year. After one year he asked me to move back to the Philippines. We got engaged, we got married had a baby so within two years all of those things happened <laughs> wow i mean that's a lot to happen in two years right exactly oh and not to mention i put up my my own company within that time another amazing it thing a, <laughs> it was a it was a very hectic two years and at the end of that second year um he got a call from his company saying there's an opportunity for him back in colombia his home country which, I mean, for us, it was a big surprise. Like, I mean, I had my company going in the Philippines. He had a very good career in the Philippines also. Mm -hmm. But we realized, you know, like, well, I, I'm in a new life stage now. I'm a new mom. We're starting a family. If we stay in the Philippines, me being an entrepreneur in the advertising industry, my life will always be like this. Like, it was a very hectic lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with the advertising world, but like, no. there are no weekends. <laughs> no, yeah i tell you it's like client meetings client meetings shoots presentations there's no weekend every day every day is an overtime um and that wasn't fit for for a new mom who's starting to new, have a new family right mm -hmm. so it, we made a decision that i'll be a trailing wife <laughs> right, right, right. so to speak but i mean so we decided you know let's let's start a new life in colombia we we were hoping for it to be a neutral country Wherein you know it would be both a, a foreign country for the two of us, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. Co Colombia presented itself, and it became actually turned out to be a wonderful opportunity for both of us. 
Awesome, awesome. And I, I, I want to go back a little bit too, because I have a theory <laughs> that I tell all of my expat friends about. Me, expats, <laughs> expats that date abroad. My theory uh-huh. is that you're more likely as expats, right? One being that, you know, the, the whatever, the spouses, the, the couple that are expats, you're more likely to progress in your relationship much fa- at a much faster rate because you're both abroad. My thing is that if you, if, two individuals were both back what is home, right, what's considered, like, domestic, that you're less likely to go that fast in a relationship. That is my theory. I have nothing to back this up. Besides these <laughs> these anecdotal this anecdotal evidence, your story, other people's stories, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, think about that. In two years, for you to have met someone, dated, got engaged, got married, had a baby, um, moved to another country, that's a lot of things to do in two, and that's all your own company, to do in two years, Right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at any anywhere around the world, but I feel that for some reason, and maybe you you might agree with this or not, but I want to hear your insight. For some reason, when you're abroad, these things just progress much faster. What are your thoughts on my theory? A hundred percent, definitely. Um, especially in our case, because for us, like I, it was a long distance relationship with two people from different cultures. Mm. It was even more intense. I was living in Indonesia. He was living in the Philippines. It was like. Either we do this or we not. Either you know or you don't know. You know right, what I mean? Like, right. And we thought that it was it was real. It was love. <laughs> 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 no, I mean that's why we really worked hard to right. maintain it, and we decided, you know, no more wasting time. If we want to be in this, let's get engaged, let's get married, let's have a family. But you're right. Uh, in any other setting, I guess if it's two people from the same culture in their native land, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been a very different pace for sure. I totally agree. Agree. Okay. Okay. Thanks for agreeing with my theory, but <laughs> I just think it's so interesting. I, I think it's such an interesting thing, you know, being these expats around the world that, like you said, it's kind of like put up or shut up because you're, we're, you're, you know, we're in this world where people are moving constantly and we're like, you know, transnational beings. Like, we got to know what's up. And like, yes. hey, I'm moving across the world, so are you following me or not? <laughs> are you in or are you out? Right, right. So you're really put in these situations where you can either say, uh, I'm out, and do whatever you're doing, but and then that's it, right? Because you're going to be across, you know, in a whole other world, basically, right? Another hemisphere. So it's kind of wild how that happens, and that might add to this kind of, I don't want to call it pressure, but kind of like, we got we to gotta make something happen here if we're really about making something happen. So I think that's really, really interesting. All right. I feel yeah. like you know this topic too well, Angel. No. <laughs> no, no, that is uh, no comment on that. But <laughs> no, but I just think it's no, super. Yeah, go ahead. You can include it with your anecdotal stories with your right. friends. Yes, yes. In our, in our situation, when my. My now husband asked me to move back to the Philippines. I told him, Andres, in my culture, back in the Philippines, you don't move in with someone unless you have a ring on your finger. Mm. <laughs> and then he said, well, in my culture, back in Colombia, you do a test drive and you see if you want to put a ring on the finger. So I told him, okay, I'm leaving my career in Indonesia. I'm moving back to the Philippines, but I'm giving you six months. If I don't have a ring on my finger, it's done. You tell him, Isabel, you tell Andres. <laughs> And he obviously listened to you, which is good. That's always the sign of a good husband. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Happy wife. Happy, Happy wife. exactly right. There you go. Um, all right. So now let's go to Colombia. So I've been to Colombia. I've been to Cartagena. And it's interesting because I actually had an episode of Colombia, but on Instagram Live. So now for all, all of you that only listen to the podcast, this is your present. So <laughs> um, so Colombia. I've only been to Cartagena, but I know Colombia is this huge, like, you know, relatively pretty huge place. 
Um, you know, you have Bogota, right? Medellin, all these different areas, different kinds of people, right. different climates, different things. So what enamored you about Colombia from the beginning? Like, did you go, but did you visit before? What, what did you know of it? In, in true Isabel style, I jumped in without even <laughs> testing. But I mean, I'm married to a Colombian. I have a lot of, I've always been surrounded with Colombians in, in our circle back in the Philippines. Mm. So I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. And being a Filipina, like I mentioned, are we're a very, we have very strong Spanish influence. So I, I, I didn't have that fear. I mean, I wouldn't have, I didn't have that strong of a fear because mm. I felt like I was just going to the Philippines, but on the other side of the world. And <laughs> true enough, you know, when I came here, it I was proven. Colombia is just like the Philippines with different looking people, different climate, but culturally and the the vibe of the people is very Philippines like. It's it's so vibrant. People are so energetic. Um, I would say 100% more than Filipinos, though. <laughs> <laughs> the level of energy here is just a lot. Um, people mm. from all ages, like young people and old old people, they fiesta like nonstop. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Right? That's awesome. So I mean, let's. You, you, you felt that for sure in, in Cartagena. Right? Oh yeah, I, I was uh, I was in love when I went to Colombia. I really did. And being that Cartagena is on obviously the Caribbean coast, my fan. I have a Dominican heritage. My parents are from the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. So like, I, and I grew up with that like that that culture, that Dominican and Caribbean culture. So when I got to Cartagena, I felt that right away. Like I when I would walk around the um, what's that big wall, El Muro. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. El Muro, like I would walk around there. There was this guy that would follow me. He was rapping and rapping to like about me. I'm like, this is pretty dope, but weird. But all right, I'm feeling this. this is cool. They would play Juan Luis Guerra, who is my favorite musician. They would play him everywhere. And it was like, this is a really cool, dope spot. And yeah, people love to party there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the women are beautiful. And yeah, it's just a lot of, you know, it's very... <laughs> It's a very good place to be. Uh, I'm not, I miss Colombia. But anyway, so let's go back to you, your story. Happy is- to know that. <laughs> back to Isabel. So you're in Colombia now. Where in Colombia did you guys move to initially or where you currently reside? So we've always been in Bogota, so okay. the capital of Colombia. And contrary to, well, we, we always, when people think of Colombia, they think Cartagena, they think a, a tropical paradise. Mm-hmm. But Bogota is actually elevated. It's up on the Andes, which is like... 2,000 meters above sea level. So it's quite chilly here. It's perpetually chilly whole year round. Um, I'd say the warmest would be 18 degrees Celsius. And in the evening, it would be like 6 degrees. So mm-hmm. it's quite chilly. Very different to um, what people would perceive. Right. Colombia. It's pretty, chill, mm-hmm. pretty cold. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. But the beauty about being in Colombia is that one hour, when you're here in Bogota, it's, it's chilly. You drive downhill one hour. It's like, back in the tropics, you drive another hour, you're in a desertic region. It's very diverse, <laughs> landscape-wise, culture-wise. So that, for me, would be the best part of, of, of being here, I'd say. And how many people live in Bogota, like, estimated population? It's, it's, a, it's a big city. I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm correct about this, but I'd say in, like, two million? Two million? Or okay. More. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's still, a lot of pe- that's still a lot of people because I coast, all of Costa Rica is five million. And in San Jose, the capital here, I think it's like 500,000 people, which is not really a lot of people at all. All right. So now you're in, you're in Colombia. And did you, did you have your baby in Colombia? 
my first baby, Martina, was actually born in the Philippines. Okay. She was seven months old when we moved here. Um, and my second baby, Sophia, is is she was born here in Colombia. So okay. experienced both sides. Yes, you have, you have international babies, which is... <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so what is it... I mean, again, what is it like being a mom? Because obviously you have the... Not that you have the... But you were a mom in the Philippines for a very brief period of time. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know that that's your culture, right? What would you say is like being a mom in Colombia? Like, would you be able to compare the two? Like, you seeing other moms in Colombia and you knowing how mother motherhood is in the Philippines. How would you like talk to me about that? Okay, um, you're familiar. You have a, a, a Dominican mom, right? I, I listened yes. to the episode with oh. with your mom with my limited Spanish. Oh wow! Thank you. Appreciate that. Good. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, Latina moms are the most doting, right? The most, <laughs> the most amorosa moms in in the world. And I have, I mean, and in the Philippines, as an Asian mom, where Tiger Mom, the, the mom decides where your future goes, what you take up in the university, you know what I mean? That type right. of Asian mom. But here in Latin America, the mom would be, what can I do for you, my darling? You know, and right. <laughs> the, the most amorosa would give you all the, the kisses and the wonderful words, the wonderful, all the wonderful words in the world. So, I mean, that's the, now I have that exposure, the, mm. the super strict Asian mom and the most loving, um, amicable uh, Latina mom. Mm. And I'm, I'm trying to straddle between the two. And now it's up to me which which one I want to embrace. But right, that's so interesting. Uh-huh. That that is a really interesting thing because again, you have this cultural upbringing, and then you have where you are. And I mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. a success for people that are expats, you got You said you got you you said it perfectly. You have to be able to straddle both of those worlds. I think you obviously you, you what you how you grew up is how you grew up, right? And that's gonna always influence mm-hmm. you wherever you go. But you can't like be hardlined in your way of being when you're living elsewhere. Because life is going to show you and the culture of that country is going to show you, hey, all of that doesn't work here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you have to, it's, it's being able to adapt. And I just find it so interesting that you also have to deal with that in motherhood as well. So that's a really interesting dynamic there. Not just you yourself, Isabel, as you, your own person, but you as a mother to your kids. So I think that's super interesting. Definitely. Um, all right. Definitely. So now, so you, you've been in Colombia three years. Mm-hmm. What would you say, Isabel, has been the toughest thing about living in Colombia so far? What is the toughest thing? I I love how Colombia is very tight-knit. I love how everyone here is very family-oriented. The one thing that I know I'm never going to fully embrace is the stratification, I'd say. Mm. Um, so C- Colombia is, very, is a very classist, classist country. Um, everything is stratified. You belong to Sato Seis, it's one to six and basically everything is dictated by which which um strato you belong Mm -hmm, to and me i'd say i mean individually i i i'm I'm very emotional i when i when i see the reality in the outside world i get to be affected and that for me has been the hardest um seeing that for example the opportunities given to people from status a status five and and four totally different from what you would see in lower status and that's the reality here. And I mm. think as a Colombian, you won't really acknowledge that because that's the reality you grew up in. That's what everybody is exposed to, right? right? right. But as a foreigner coming in here, that for me was a bigger shock because I'm coming from a developing country. Philippines is, I'd say, even 
uh, poorer than Colombia. Colombia is in a much better place than the Philippines um, uh, uh, economy-wise. But here, it's just much more pronounced because everything is classified into six, five, four, three, two, one. And six so, being the lowest? Six as the highest. Oh, six is the highest. You'd, okay. You'd be surprised here. As simple as, for example, since it's more relevant, COVID, like the Ministry of Health calling you, asking you about, uh, you, did you travel the past two weeks? Part of the questioner would always be, what strato you're from? Which is not relevant to COVID at all, but right. for some reason, they always manage to to it's always a, a, a part of every discussion. Wait, so how, me, how do they even do... Wait, um, I, I'm still confused. I mean, I I understand, but I don't understand. So they have status, like, again, a ranking for, like, your status in uh-huh. Colombia based on what, uh-huh. like, your how much money you... Income. Your salary? Uh-huh. Okay, your uh-huh. income. That's okay. right, income level. So everything's stratified in the sense that uh, the uh, urban planning is based on your, your estrato, Mm-hmm. based on your income, which in a way is good because, for example, the utilities in lower stratos would be lower versus right. higher stratos. Of course. But at the same time, the opportunities they get are much different and much less than people in, right. in higher stratos. Right, of course, of course. So, I, I mean, it's just me. It, it works for the country for sure. It works for Colombians. But for me, as a foreigner, that was a, a, a big shock Wake coming call, here. Right? And as, I mean, that, that goes nicely, uh, both nicely, or I guess terribly, uh, about the protests that are currently happening in Colombia. So from what I've gathered, and obviously you're there, so you know way more about it than I do. It's about like this tax reform that they're trying to do um, where now people on the lower, I guess, status, estato, right, will be be taxed at a certain level when they weren't before. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, is that that, what they're protesting about? So it started as that, but it started as that, but the government was, it all their cries were falling on deaf ears. And so, I mean, people were, it added fuel to the fire. People are now protesting about the biggest inequality. So they say that Colombia is actually the, the widest inequality in, in the world. The gap between really? the rich and the poor is so wide. Uh-huh. Wow. In a sense, it was hard for me to accept because, as I said, I'm coming from the Philippines, which is uh, a poorer country than Colombia. But here, the gap is just so big. Um, and when you go around the city... And I'm, I've been recently exposed to that because, like I said, it's, it's highly stratified. Where you live, that's the bubble that you that you of see. Of course, of course. So for the longest time, yeah, for the longest time, I wasn't exposed to the outside world. And I didn't understand the, the cultural context of all these protests. But the more you actually go out of your bubble, the more you see that, oh, my God, it's it's really so different. Like what you see in the news, you don't see that in your day-to-day here. Right, like all all the all the chaos happening down down south of in the city of Bogota, you don't see that in the northern part of Bogota, which is so sad. And people up here in north of Bogota are kind of oblivious to what's happening. And the ivory which, towers, right? That's what that's what you would say. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so I mean, to answer your question, so it started as that. It started as a because of the the taxes that the government were implementing, but now it it has prolonged for over one month now, and it's so chaotic in so many parts of of Colombia. Wow! But the sad reality is that the higher class doesn't really care much about it, and the government isn't really putting as much you know interest in it as as much as they should. I'm shocked so, to hear that. <laughs> that's a satisfaction. Right, right, right. Sounds like But for but yeah. for some reason, Colombia being a very energetic and vibrant country, they still find ways to party during protests. Right. And people are so optimistic. <laughs> so that's good. Right, right. You gotta be right. If you don't have optimism and hope, what do you have, right, in this world, this crazy mm-hmm, world mm-hmm. that we're living in currently? 
Um, I mean, obviously that's that's terrible, and hopefully, hopefully, right. Uh, I'm not as optimistic as they might be, but hopefully, you know, they get some kind of consensus for what's uh, going on there as far as the taxes and other things are considered. So one thing I wanted to get to, Isabel, was your clothing company. So you do have a clothing company, correct? Mm-hmm, that's right. It's it's Colombian Collective. I, I co-founded it with a friend in the Philippines. Uh, around this time last year, we launched this time last year. It's, it's a curation of Colombian lifestyle brands and designers, and I specially curated for the Asian market. Um, mm. So... It's it's fashion. We're gonna be expanding into into home also soon, uh, but at the moment it's it's fashion brands specifically for the Asian market. Very cool. And what I mean, obviously, I know your background is in uh, marketing, right? Advertising. Sorry, mm-hmm. in the in the back in the Philippines. So, what made you get into clothing? So you know, fashion has always been a personal interest of mine. It's just that you know my my trajectory. Uh, since I was young, was already advertising, so I, I I pursued it. But at the back of my head, I always wanted to do something fashion related. So when we came to Colombia and I had to do a restart, I thought I'll pursue something that is really personally interesting for me, which is fashion. But at the same time, I want to do something more than that. Like I wanted to do something that has that would have an impact in the world, whether it's just in the fashion industry or in a bigger sense. One way or another, I want to create impact. So. We decided to focus on conscious fashion, conscious Colombian brands. Um, so these are brands and pieces that have stories behind them, whether it's causes that they promote, whether it's women empowerment, it's artisanship, it's traditional methods of environmental friendliness. So all of the brands that we carry at the moment, we have 20 brands. All of these brands have a specific purpose or cause that they are committed to. Mm, as such as? Such as, for example, we have Baobab, which is a swimwear line. And for each collection that they create, they they are committed to a, a purpose. Like the current collection at the moment is committed to restoring the coral reefs in San Andres in, in Colombia. Mm. So that's one. For example, Najash, which is a mochila brand, they, they promote fair trade. So they support a number of artisans, um, compensate them fairly. And they, they basically aim to restore a, a traditional weaving technique from an ethnic group called um, the Wayus in, in in the Atlantic coast of Colombia. So, I mean, these are yeah. all full of stories. So you would, if you can have a chance and take a look at our, our Instagram, for example, for sure. our content would basically be just storytelling. We want to tell the stories of these brands. It's not just fashion for the sake of fashion. Mm. Um, it's, of course, it's when when I curate pieces, it's always number one, will they be relevant to the Asian market in terms of Asian aesthetic? Uh, because these are very different aesthetic, but mm-hmm. aesthetically and design-wise, will they resonate with the Asian market? That's number one. And number two, do they have a, a purpose or uh, uh, a cost that they, they promote? Right, right. So those are the two factors that I, I consider in curating. I mean, I think that sounds awesome. And obviously, I'm going to put that in my show notes and link that when I post this on Instagram when this goes up. Thank but uh, I, think it's really, I think it's really cool that, again, you, you took your culture, right? your Asian culture, and you're putting it to something that you want to, and you're curating it, like you said, but also making sure that it's still connected to where you are. And I think mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. A, that's not obviously just with fashion, but just with people living, right? That's one thing that I think we mm-hmm. forget to do is to understand where we currently are because where you are 
There's nothing more more than that, right? You can't go to the future or the past. Where you are in this moment is what matters most. So you need to be able to, right. to adapt and to speak about that, right? The storytelling that you mentioned in your fashion. And hence, you know, this my aesthetic is this podcast. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, like this mm-hmm. is the storytelling. This is why I love speaking to people like you and others and admin, you know, ab- about these interesting um, stories that are similar but yet so different all around the world and different places. Um, so I, I, think I, I think that's really like, cool. Angel, mm-hmm. in your case, you're an ambassador of of uh, being an expat of multicultural culturalness, and I myself, I would say, I can be an honorary ambassador of Colombia to the world <laughs> with all the promotion I do for Colombia. But I love it. I mean, I personally fell in love in Colombia with Colombia when I first moved here. So I made it my my mission, my personal mission, to really showcase Colombia to the world, whether it's in through fashion, whether it's through something else. It, it I took it upon myself to do something about Colombia because Colombia has a very big misconception, I mean, with people around the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, people people know Colombia through pop culture. They would think, you know, Pablo Escobar. They would think cocaine. Shakira. And all these stories. Oh, Shakira, which is, yeah, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much more to Colombia that right. people actually have not had the experience to know, uh, the chance to know because of all the chaos in Colombia for so many decades. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I, I make it, I made it upon, I told myself, you know, I love being here. I My kids are Colombian. I will be a Colombian citizen pretty soon. I'll, I'll, it's, I'm, it's gonna be my personal mission to show my love to the world about Colombia. That's that's amazing. So now let's talk about that part. You showing your love, and you showing your love, obviously being a Fil- Filipina and also Asian. So one thing that I spoke to this about Edmund, right? What it was like to be Asian in Switzerland? He told me some interesting stuff, but he said he couldn't really speak too much about it. So what is? Is there an Asian population? <laughs> is there an Asian population? In Colombia, um, and now we're talking about obviously COVID, the pandemic, and all these things that are happening, the unfortunate things that are happening to people that are of Asian descent, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the stupidity of human race. But, you know, all these things that are happening against people that are Asians. So, what can you speak about the Asian experience itself in Colombia and people that are like you are from Asia? So there is actually a, a booming Asian community here in Bogota. Um, not as big as other parts of um, Latin America, for sure. There's like, for example, you, you can't see a Koreatown or a Chinatown here in Colombia. Mm. But right now with uh, Samsung, with with LG having headquarters in Colombia um, for, for Latin America, you'd see a, a booming Asian population. Um, fortunately, personally, I, I have never experienced anything negative um, addressed to myself, um, even amidst the COVID situation. I've heard of stories um, from friends that in the beginning of all of these, they, they were targeted. Uh, but recently, there hasn't been none. And Colombians have been, at least for, for uh, speaking on behalf of myself, it's been very pleasant for me here. Um, when I walk around, because I do stand out. I look very Asian. When when I go to the grocery, people would say, Ni hao. <laughs> That's, I know it's wrong. I'm from Filipina, but I appreciate that. I right. guess Colombians are just, you know, very warm in general that you don't feel that. Fortunately for me, you don't feel that um, here as much as others. Um, and uh, even for, oh, this is a, a funny bit. I, we actually came here with a Filipina nanny, our Filipina nanny from the Philippines. So I'm, I feel like I still have a bit of my home here because at home we have a Filipina nanny mm-hmm. uh, cooking us Filipino food. Um, we, we do speak Filipino to my children. Oh. So that's why they're trilingual. Um, 
and even with her <laughs> uh-huh even with her like when she goes around it's it's always been pleasant pre and during and hopefully post pandemic nothing will change that that's i mean that's always great to hear right that these things happen in select parts, but not all parts of the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right, so now we've reached, unfortunately, Isabel. We've reached our last segment. I could talk to you forever. Um, no! <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's terrible. It sucks. But, you know, we'll we'll, we'll find another time to make it happen. <laughs> part, part two, Isabel. Uh, we can Kalo. do Instagram. We can do Instagram, Angel. Yes, we could do that. We could do that. That sounds great. <laughs> so, this is lightning round questions, Isabel. First thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Uh Uh-huh, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Favorite Colombian dish? Oh, my God. It has to be arepa choclo. Are you familiar with arepa choclo? I know arepas, but what was arepa choclo, though? What's that? Ah, choclo. So yeah. some some people say chocolo. It's spelled as chocolo, but some people say chocolo. But okay. um, well, for people who who are not familiar with arepas, it's it's native to Venezuela and Colombia. It's like a it's a pancake, mm-hmm. well, corn based. But chocolo specifically, this variant is made from sweet corn. Um, so it's like a sweet corn pancake that you spread it with sour cream and cheese. Some people, I personally love eating it, pairing it with hot chocolate. Um, traditionally, it's for breakfast, but for for a sweet tooth like me, I, I eat it any time of the day. It's yeah. it's amazing. Sounds delicious. Pancakes and for fattening, but it sounds delicious. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, next question. What is? I mean, this is not a fair question because you have a Filipina nanny that cooks you Filipino food. But what? Um, all right, so I have to think of another question. What <laughs> favorite place in Colombia? Favorite place would be this place called Villaleva. Um, it's a colonial town, just a couple of hours away from Bogota. So it's perched on a on a hilly part of Boyacá. But it's when you step there, it's like stepping back in time. You're back in the colonial period. It's it's a cobbled street. Uh, people they travel in, in carriages there. It's it's just beautiful. It's like going back in time, and the weather is cool, but not as cold as Bogota. Um, and plenty of really quaint restaurants. It's it's an amazing food trip, and just staying there for the weekend is just beautiful. Awesome favorite <laughs> Colombian phrase. Or saying? Oh no! I, <laughs> I que pena. I que pena. You, you, you know that, right? I mean, pena. I mean, yeah, I que pena. Yeah, I was. I you gonna say like parse or something, but that's cool. <laughs> okay, here it's que pena. Que pena for everything. There's always. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot this. I'm sorry. And it's like, if somebody, if somebody does something wrong to you and this person says kepena it's like okay i let it pass <laughs> it's, yeah I, I love that even i now i've learned to imbibe that best thing about being a mom the best thing about being a mom is it just really opens your eyes to a lot of new things that no matter how you how you think oh my god i'm so experienced oh my god i'm i'm the best at everything with being a mom, it teaches you that oh my god, there's still so many things to learn, so many, so many new things to experience. I, I love it. Best thing about being a wife. The same, I would say the same. <laughs> a marriage and mar- first, when you step into a marriage, it opens your eyes to a whole new world, and then next up, you have children, and suddenly, <laughs> oh, this is a whole new world that I didn't know existed. Just to. doing Aladdin all over and over again, Aladdin and Jasmine. Mm-hmm, <laughs> All right. That's so true. <laughs> final, final question. And this is related to your daughters. Mm-hmm. What do you want 
your daughters, when they listen to this, when they're old enough, right? And <laughs> when they can understand their mom's story, mommy's story, what do you want them to know about your experience living in Colombia and, and just raising a family? What do you want them to know? You know, um, getting into this relationship with my husband, when we started um, our own family, we, we always knew that we wanted to be an international family. We always knew that the lifestyle we want is moving from one country to another. After Colombia, which country is it going to be? That's why we really wanted to bring up our children in a very international way, multicultural way, um, in the sense that being open-minded to a lot of things. And that's the kind of that's the kind of upbringing that we're showing to our children. You know, like you don't need to choose one culture for you to be a whole. Um, mm. They can be Filipino. Say that again. Say that again, Colombian. please. That was that was powerful. Say that. <laughs> say that again, please. You don't you don't need to choose one culture to be whole. Damn. It can be a mix of Filipino, Colombian, or something else. Whether we move to another country this year or another, and you can pick the best parts of these cultures and make it your own. Um, and that's that's what happened to me. I am Filipina at heart. I I have a bit of Korean influence. I have a bit of Indonesian uh, influence. Now I have a very strong Colombian influence, but I'm still me. I'm still Isabel with all these bits and pieces that I've learned all throughout the years, which makes me a stronger person. So that's a kind of upbringing that I want to show my children and learn through through the life that we're living now. enjoyed that episode with Isabel. I most definitely did. She has such great energy. She was just so much fun to talk to. Um, she said a lot of great things as well. Um, and that had me thinking and things I didn't consider ever before. And I spoke to other parents and I'm sure they mentioned it, it just didn't cross my mind. But this idea of, of raising a family, incorporating your own culture, but not forgetting, you know, either one where your spouse is from, like her husband is Colombian, right? So, of course, I'm assuming he would want some Colombian values instilled in their children. But the fact that she's also trying to incorporate, you know, this either Colombian or Latin values related to motherhood as well. And she has to, it's a balance. And I think, you know, when you think of adapting to a location, you, you usually think of yourself adapting. But you, your children need to adapt as well. But you have to also adapt what it's like to be a mom to your children, right? In different contexts and where they're located. So I think it's a really interesting, uh, super interesting and super probably complex way to approach uh, motherhood. So all the power to Isabel and their clothing company. Make sure you go follow her Instagram page at Colombian Collective. That is at Colombian Collective, all one word. Really nice outfits. I mean, it's all for women, but they're really nice outfits. <laughs> if I was to see a woman with the outfits I see on that website, I'd be like, you're looking good. Looking pretty good. So yeah, I definitely check that out if you're interested in that kind of stuff. For next week's episode, uh, there will not be an episode. <laughs> I will be going on a small two-week hiatus. Um, by the time this episode airs, which will be on a Monday, I will be traversing the country. And school's out now in Costa Rica and my school, so um, I need a break. <laughs> I just finished my first year of grad school as well, so I just need a break from everything. I need to, I need to disconnect a little bit, um, and that also means from this podcast is a labor of love, as all of you know or most of you know. Um, and I love doing it, but I also need a little break from it to not, you know, constantly have, have to have people on to, um, yeah, to do episodes. So don't expect the episode for the next two weeks. I would say. 
Maybe it might surprise you, but yeah, just don't expect it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I'll be I'll be um enjoying my my break and then I'll get right back to it. And then I'll hopefully give you some uh new updates in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. See you in two weeks. This is a living color abroad. Peace.